And thank you, Kelly. You can be seated, man. I appreciate you. Worship was so great this morning. Worship was amazing. Everybody say the old. Okay. The weather's gotten to you a little bit. I can see that. <laughs> so everybody say the old, new approach. The old, new approach. You know, just a couple of months coming up, we have the holidays coming up. It's my favorite time of the year. I love the holidays. And you got Thanksgiving, you got Christmas. And shortly after that, you have New Year's Eve and then you have New Year's Day. And people begin to prepare their hearts and they begin to prepare their minds about thing, an age-old tradition that we do or that a lot of people do, maybe not so much anymore, that we do every single year and it's called New Year's Resolutions. People begin to make a list either mentally or they begin to make a list on a piece of paper or make a list on their, their, you know, their computer. And they begin to decide some changes that they want to make in their life every single year at the beginning of the year. Some people just decide my New Year's resolution is not to make New Year's resolutions this year. So it's kind of almost a joke now. But people begin to make a list of things that they want to change, things that they want to do differently. And here's the thing. I, I love... I like making a list. I love having goals and I love having dreams and there's nothing wrong with that. We should all, we should all have somewhat of a list. We should all have goals. We, we should all have achievements. We, we should have measures of success because successful people think in terms of improvement. We constantly want to be growing. So there's nothing wrong with a list, but the problem is with a list is that it's impersonal, that it's not personal. You know, it's hard to get connected to a list because when you begin to make a list and you begin to write down and you miss that list and you begin to review annually and you look back on your year and you say, well, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Well, it definitely didn't even come close to that. I didn't even come to the vicinity of doing that. I didn't lose that much weight. You know, I didn't go to church that much. I didn't read my Bible. When you begin to do a list and you miss the list, you go, well, you're a little disappointed. But because it's not personal, it doesn't impact you as much. You see... It's so much more impacting your decisions in life or so much more impacting when they become personal to you. You see, I always tell people this. You have to determine who you want to be before you decide what you want to do. Because the who determines the what. If you decide the who, then that will set a perimeter and it will set up a barrier around the things that you do. For example, if you want to be a person of integrity, you say, you know what? I'm not going to make a list. I'm going to decide in my heart. I'm going to make a commitment, I'm going to make a covenant that I'm going to be a man or woman of integrity. And you commit to being that person. And every time a decision comes up where your integrity gets questioned or there's a moment where you could give in that would compromise your integrity, you begin to think about the commitment that you made to be a person of integrity. You say, wait a second, I'm a man of integrity. So what does that naturally do? It affects the decisions that you make. It's much more personal because when people think about you, think about this. When people think about you, if you're not an integral person and you're not full of integrity, they don't go to the list and say, well, you didn't do this, you didn't do this. You know what they do? They insult your character and they say, you're not a man of integrity. And you know what? That hurts a lot more, doesn't it? When you miss the mark on your character, when you miss the mark on things that are personal, it hurts a lot more and it impacts you a lot more than you just missing the list. You just missing the do's and the don'ts. Well, I want to do this and I want to do that. And every year, it's a repetitive cycle I see with people. They just continue to miss the list. Oh, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. But they never decide who they want to be first. The who determines the what. And here's the cool thing about the Bible. The Bible talks about this. 
Paul talks about this in Galatians. He talks about making things personal. When it comes to decision-making and when it comes to, uh, you know, decisions that show up in your life and sin that shows up in your life, he talks about how if we can make this personal, it will affect our decision-making. That if we can begin to value our relationship with the Holy Spirit, like we're going to read about in just a second, it will absolutely make things more personal. Because when you make things more personal... The impact and the influence that it has on the decisions you make, that you make is much greater than you just coming up with a list and missing a list every year. So turn to your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 is going to be the key text that we're going to read from this morning. Galatians is in the New Testament. Paul is the writer of Galatians. And it's the Galatians, just to get a little backstory, the Galatians are a little, a little young in their faith, a little immature in their faith. And so Galatians is, is Paul doing a couple of things. Number one, Paul starts off with defending his apostleship. Because Paul, as many of us know, he, he came from a background where before he got saved, before he knew Jesus, before he made it personal, he was a persecutor of Christians. He murdered, he murdered Christians. The first Christian, uh, Stephen, who was ever martyred, he was in the background. He was a part of that, okay? So this was an, an incredibly evil man. So here he is now. He had this incredible transformation I don't have time to tell you the story about, but he had this incredible moment with the Lord. He changed his life and he became the first apostle, the first missionary. He became the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. So in, in, in the book of Galatians, the first part is him defending his apostleship because people go, dude, I used to know you. I used to know what you used to do. Why should I listen to you? So he's defending his apostleship. And then he goes on to teach them uh, the Galatians because they're a little immature in their faith. He, he, he starts talking about grace versus law. And this is where it gets a little interesting here. Okay? Because a lot of people in the, uh, a lot of guys in the Bible and the religious leaders of that day, they were accusing him of what we call sloppy grace. Okay? Or sloppy agape is what they called it in the 80s. Okay? Which means grace gives me the ability to sin. Okay? Grace gives me the ability to sin. So Paul is trying to bring a balance because he says, no, that's not right. Grace doesn't give you the ability to sin. Grace gives you the ability not to sin. Okay, it's, it's a matter of perspective. It doesn't give you a license to sin because Jesus came and he gave you grace and he extended you grace and that's by which you were saved. Faith and grace is by which you were saved. He says, no, no, that doesn't give you the ability to sin. It gives you the power not to sin. So he's trying to bring a balance here in Galatians because people are saying, listen, we got grace. You go out and do whatever you want to. You go out on Monday through Saturday, you fill up your, your, your sin bucket. You come back on Sunday morning, you empty it back out at the altar. Monday night, you're doing the same thing. He's saying, no, 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 that's not it. That's not it. He said, let me bring a balance to this when it comes to grace. Let me bring a balance to this on how it comes to handling decisions and handling sins because of the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they would always look at the law, the Ten Commandments. And it was always about what I call the list. They would look at the list, the thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And they would always follow the list. And they didn't agree and they didn't err on the grace side of things. So Paul, in this short, in this short uh, I guess you could say, section of, this, of, of the fifth chapter of Galatians, he sums it all up, and it's, an, it's one of my favorite passages. He says this in verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
For the flesh lusts against the spirit. Now, that word flesh means uh, desire, desire the flesh. For the flesh lusts or fights against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Okay, so he's saying this. Just let me stop right there. Just explain. He's saying, listen. The being led by the Spirit is the answer to not gratifying the desires of the flesh. Okay, he's saying that your flesh, your body, your sinful nature that you were born with, okay, is contrary or it fights against the nature of the Spirit. Okay? In other words, you decide to go on a fast, and it's the first day of the fast, and you say, man, I'm going to fast food. And, and, and I'm going to fast all food, and I'm going to get close to the Lord, and I'm going to hear from God, I'm going to get a word from my life, and things are about to get exciting. And it's like first day, 11 a.m., and you're going, God, I'm so hungry! Anybody got anything to eat around here? It's first day, 11 a.m., and you can't even make it that far. Or it's early in the morning, you say, you know, Pastor, he keeps telling me I need to read my Bible, I need to get up, cultivate my relationship with God, develop this thing we call intimacy with God, and get to know the Lord. I need to wake up early like a great while before day like Jesus did, which just sounds crazy, but, but maybe I should try that out. And then 6 a.m. comes around, you go, dear Lord, this is not happening. I need another 30. This is not going to happen. Why? Because the flesh is contrary to the Spirit. The flesh is constantly, the nature of the flesh constantly collides with the nature of the spirit. And they're always fighting and they're always at war with each other. That's what he's saying contrary to. So verse, uh, let's continue, verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And we'll come back to that in just a second. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, he's not leaving anything out, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Praise God. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Somebody say amen. Amen. Verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited and provoking one another, envying one another. So it's an incredible passage that he talks about this whole battle that's going on flesh against spirit, flesh against spirit, and the way that we do it is we led by the spirit, and if you're led by the spirit, then you don't gratify the sinful desires of the flesh. So it's this incredible passage where he's starting to bring balance. And when I I think about this passage, and I think about one verse in particular, uh, verse 17, and where he starts talking about the sinful nature, uh, it's funny, but I think about my dog. I have a huge dog. She's a great Dane. She's like 130 pounds. She's like, I mean, she's, she's just massive. I love her. She's like 10 years old. When I got her and she was a puppy, she was only six weeks old. And as she grew before, I mean, they grow so fast. Within a year's time, they're like 100 pounds. Okay, so I would try to walk her around the neighborhood. Okay, more like she would walk me around the neighborhood, okay? And so I'm walking her around the neighborhood and, and she's fighting against the leash. She, she's fighting against the leash because she wants to run over small children, run into cars, you know, you know, smell things. We want to do what dogs do, but she's pulling me. She's 100 pounds. She's huge. 
Okay, so here I'm trying to lead this dog and try to t- teach her to be submissive. Now she just sits around because she's old and she just eats all day and sleeps all day. That's all she does. It's easy now. We don't even need a leash. But before then, I was trying to break her of this. This, well, hey, I, I lead you. I bought you. I'm your master. You're the servant. You're the dog. I lead you. But the problem is with that is she didn't want to be led. I had to break her of that. She didn't want to be led. I say that. I said all that to say this. Your sinful nature does not want to be led. You, you have to understand that. Understand that with me this morning. Because people err on, you got to focus on the list, the do's and the don'ts, the sinful nature. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. I see them place all their focus on that. And what they're always missing is the sinful nature doesn't want to be led. It will never want to be led. It was crucified and we have power and authority, but it rises up on the inside of us when someone makes us angry. We want to tell them how we feel. That's your sinful nature because it doesn't want to be led. And Paul is saying, hey, you focusing on your sinful nature is not the key to the problem. The key to the problem is the Holy Spirit at work in your life. That's the key to the problem. It's not the focus of the list. It's not the focus of the do's and the don'ts. And... and, and Here's the thing, I see a lot of, I see a lot of new Christians that, that get hung up on this. And, there's, and there's, there's two passages that I immediately direct them towards. It's this one and John 15. Because they immediately come up to me after they get born again and they get saved, especially the younger generation. And they say, well, does this mean I can't do this? Does this mean I should do this? Does this mean I should give a tithe 10% of my money? Does this mean I got to stop drinking? Does this mean I got to stop smoking? Does this mean I got to stop having sex with people? They start to ask me all these questions that are real, honest questions. And and you know what they're focusing on? The do's and the don'ts. You know what happens with the do's and the don'ts? We miss the list. Why? Because it's not personal. Because it's not personal. And Paul is saying, listen, you make this thing personal. You have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you make it personal, you view every decision through the lens of a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. You see, because you, 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 got, you got to catch this with me this morning. And I want to teach on this so you understand this for, for just a second. Most of you know this, but some of you might, okay? When you got born again, you got saved, something absolutely incredible happened in your life. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, came to dwell on the inside of you. That's huge. That's powerful. Okay, you got to understand there's the Trinity. There's three that make up one. There's, there's, stay with me. I, don't, I can't go into this deep because we don't have enough time. But there's three that make up one. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay? We say and we preach that Jesus lives in your heart. And, and yes, that's technically, technically true because the three are one. But really, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit dwells and lives on the inside of us. You you see, the disciples, they were always, Jesus was trying to teach them over that three and a half year period. And he was trying to say, listen, pay attention to what I'm saying. I'm only going to be with you for so long. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to be resurrected. But then I'm going to be at the right hand of the Father. But I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit instead. In my place, I'm going to, he said, so he kept saying this, which is wild. It's to your benefit that I go away. It's to your, and the disciples are going, I don't understand. I mean, you're, you're, you're the rabbi, you're the great teacher. We just imitate you. 
We imitate you, and now you're saying it's to our benefit that you go away. That, that means we're going to be all alone. We're going to be left out here trying to make decisions. I, I mean, I, I just don't understand. They kept missing it because Jesus was saying, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to live on the inside of you. And he's going to become your moral compass. He's going to become your guide. He's going to guide you into all truth, according to John 14, 16. He's going to be your direction. He's going to guide you into the specific will of God. He's going to give you peace when it comes to making decisions. This is a good thing for you. You see, when I get to heaven, I can't wait to ask all the Old Testament characters, hey, what was it like to part the Red Sea? What was it like? King David was, I mean, was, was Goliath as big as what, he is, is, is what it says he was? What was it like? And you know what I bet they're going to ask me in return? What was it like to have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you? What was it like to have that kind of power, that kind of influence guiding your every direction and your every decision? Because they didn't have that. They didn't have access to that. You see, when you got saved and you got born again, you gained access to the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And there are so many great things from the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. He becomes your moral compass. What culture and society dictated what your morals and your decisions and what standards were, that no longer became the case. The Holy Spirit became your guide to what your morals and your conduct needed to be. And he became the tension on the inside of you that whenever you go to make a less integral decision, whenever you go to give in to a temptation, whenever you men start to look at something that they shouldn't look at or women start to do something that they shouldn't do or talk about somebody they shouldn't talk about, he becomes the tension on the inside that says, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, that's not a good thing for you. That's the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And Paul is saying this, the Holy Spirit is a person and you have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit because he is a person we know this because the fruits of the Spirit are human characteristics love, joy, peace, gentleness kindness, long-suffering all these things they're human characteristics the Holy Spirit is a person and he dwells on the inside of you and so when you look at every decision you make through the lens of my personal relationship with the Holy Spirit it changes the way you make decisions listen, I'm, I'm not here to preach and say that the law is bad it's not what I'm doing The law is good to show the unrighteous what is unrighteous, right? But we don't become like Jesus by copying a list. You know why I know that? Because it's not something I just made up. It's because that's what the Pharisees tried to do. The Pharisees were exalted the law and the list above Jesus who was standing right in front of them. And because they said, we're so caught up in the list and the law that we can't see. He said, you can't even see me. And I could forgive your sin if you could see me. But he said, you're so spiritually blind that you can't see me. And so I can't forgive your sin. Why? Because they exalted the do's and the don'ts over the person. Jesus made it possible so that it would be personal in our life. And when you view every decision through that lens, it will change the way you make decisions. The next time that you're tempted, you'll begin to think about how this is going to impact your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because Ephesians 4.30, verse 30 says this. It says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit which is sealed... For the day of redemption. 
That's what the whole, one of the Holy Spirit's purposes is in our life is that he, he has sealed us for that day of redemption in our life. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The word grieve there, it means to agitate, to frustrate, to irritate. That that's what we do. We grieve every time that we... You see, because the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that's working on the inside of our life, He can't make us do anything. The Holy Spirit cannot force us to do anything at all. He cannot force His will or impose His will on us because it would be going against how God created us in the very beginning. God created us to be free moral agents, free moral people that had free, uh, free choice, free will. So the Holy, Holy Spirit can only guide and direct and influence our decision, but He can never impose His will and put us in a headlock and make us do what is right. So whenever the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us, when it comes to negative decisions or negative appetites or sin in our life, whenever, whenever He begins to point us in the right direction, He begins to guide us into all truth, and He begins to steer us in the right direction, and we refuse that, it says that he, it grieves Him. It agitates, it irritates, and it frustrates. It's the same feeling you get. You know when you just offer just great sound advice and sound wisdom to somebody and they walk away and they don't listen to a thing that you just said? And they go out and they make the worst decision and they call you up and they go, I should have listened to you. And you go, duh. The Holy Spirit feels the same way. We irritate, we agitate, we frustrate. Because He says, listen, just like Isaiah 48, 17 says, listen, if you would have listened to me, if you would have obeyed my commands and listened to my voice, your peace would have flowed like a river and blessings would have rolled in like waves of the sea. But now you're going through difficult, difficulty because why? Because you've grieved me. Because you didn't take it personal. You know what happens when we grieve the Holy Spirit? When we agitate and we irritate, we lose our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. This is so, this is so huge. We lose our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. We lose our sensitivity to His voice. It's like we, we, we just got back from Africa and, and um, of course, we, went to the, we flew out of Houston. We fly out of Houston Airport. Well, Houston Airport is just off the, t- off the charts amazing. You know, the security is just as, as are most airports. And when you go through the metal detector system, you know, you, you, you're, I mean, you practically have to just just take off all your clothes to be able to walk through the metal detector system. You got to empty your keys. I mean, I got to take off my shoes. I got to take off my belt. I got to take all the change. I got to take everything that I have out of my pockets and empty my wallet, my cell phone, my iPad. I got to empty all this stuff. And it's just, I mean, I just feel so vulnerable when I'm walking through the machine because I've got to get rid of all my stuff as they slide through the machine. Why? Because the metal detector has such a great sensitivity. Any, anything will set it off. Any piece of metal, anything that is metal will set the metal detector off. But there are other airports that I go into, like Mexico. I know what I can get away with. I can keep my keys in my pocket. I can keep my change in my pocket because I've done it dozens of times and I've walked through. And and why? Because that metal detector is adjusted to a different sensitivity and it doesn't pick up everything. I've done it time and time again. But there's different levels of sensitivity, and so I can get away with stuff walking through that metal detector. My point is this, is when you continue to grieve the Holy Spirit, we lose our sensitivity to His voice. We lose our sensitivity to His guidance. And His voice doesn't become so loud in our spirit anymore. 
the sense of urgency. We lose our sense of urgency. We lose our, lose our sense of following Him and guiding Him and being, are, are being guided by Him. Why? Because we've lost the sensitivity when it comes to the Holy Spirit because we've grieved Him. It's not that we've broken fellowship and that we've lost fellowship completely with Him and that He's left in this abandonment. No, it's that we've brought attention into the relationship and it has brought attention that has affected that relationship and when you bring attention into that relationship, you affect the sensitivity of that relationship. And when you lose sensitivity to His voice, you don't speak His voice. And I don't know about you, but I want to be somebody, I want to be a follower of Jesus that doesn't lose sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's voice, that everywhere I go, I'm speaking His voice. So real quick, before in the next few minutes, I want to go over with you some truths about the Holy Spirit real quick. Truths about the Holy Spirit. Because verse 25 says this, Our responsibility, this is the NIV version, Our responsibility is to stay in step with the Spirit. He says to stay in sync. You, you, your responsibility as the Holy Spirit urges you, as He moves on you, as He encourages you, as He speaks to you, your responsibility is to stay in step with that. As the Holy Spirit moves, I begin to move. As the Holy Spirit speaks, I begin to listen. As the Holy Spirit urges me, I begin to follow. So He says this, the Holy Spirit is not going to do it for you. The Holy Spirit's job is to guide you and direct you into the will of God for your life so that one day you can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But he says, it's his job to guide you, but it's your responsibility to stay in step with the Spirit. A while back, we were at uh, Starbucks, Trent, and uh, I was actually with Trent and Kay. We were at Starbucks, and and the craziest thing happened, but, but it, was, it was great. It was cool. We walked into Starbucks, and we, we just wanted to get some coffee, and there was a long line. There was probably seven or eight people in front of us. And this is talking about our responsibility to stay in step. And and there was a, a younger couple, we were waiting in line and we waited for a few minutes, a younger couple who was standing in front of us, about college age, you know, 21, 22 years old, guy and a girl. We're standing behind them and, and, and Kate and Trent are kind of talking and I, I'm kind of listening, but I, I feel the unction of the Holy Spirit. I feel the unction of the Holy Spirit to talk to these, this young couple. But I began to ignore, I'm like, oh, maybe it's just something I ate earlier at the Mexican food restaurant. Can that really be the Holy Spirit? But I feel this unction. I don't, I don't know these people. Never seen them before in my life. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak. You need to begin conversation with them. That's exactly what he said. You need to have a conversation with these people. I'm thinking, well, I can handle that. I'm an outgoing guy. I, I can do this. But still, they're going to think I'm a creeper. Really? Who's the guy? Who brought this guy? You never want to be that guy. And you know what I did? I walked out of there and I left. And we got in our cars and we started driving off. And, and Trent was with me. And Cade was in his, his separate truck and he starts driving off. And, and I said, Trent, man, I just feel the unction of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, to go talk to that young couple. And he goes, well, dude, you got to obey. Let's do this. Turn around. So he calls up Cade. Cade, turn around. Man, Ryan's got to talk to these people. So we walk in. I'm thinking, well, how am I going to do this? I guess I'm just going to be me and just start blabbing and start talking to people. So I walk in and I begin to have a conversation with them. And they said, hey, do you guys want to sit with us? I said, we'd love to. Absolutely. And we began to talk to them, and it turns out that they're a part of a Lamar organization called FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And they said, listen, we got, a, we got an opening for a spot on Monday night, and we don't have a speaker. And I said, I'm a speaker. They said, they said, we want you to speak. I said, I'm there. Mark it down. So I go there and I speak, and this incredible thing happens. 
the Holy Spirit begins to show. I mean, college kids get saved. College kids get prophesied. College kids get healed. I'm telling you, it, it's just amazing. It's amazing. And then it turns into more sp- speaking engagements. Now, I'm not saying that because I'm a great speaker. Okay, that's not why I'm saying that. I'm saying that because it was my responsibility to stay in step with the Spirit. As He moves, I move. As He speaks, I follow. That I have a sensitivity to His voice so that I'm able to speak His voice. If I would have left Starbucks and it ignored the guidance and the direction and the will of the Holy Spirit, man, who knows what would have happened? Kids wouldn't have got saved. Kids wouldn't have got healed. Kids wouldn't have got touched. And I would be irresponsible with following the Holy Spirit in my life. Now that the Holy Spirit said, you better turn around, you better... I mean, did, did he start steering my car? No. He just spoke to me and said, you need to begin conversation with those people. And I just said, it's going to be weird, but I'm going to do it. It may be a little awkward, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out and obey. I'm going to be obey. So here's some truth, because it's our responsibility to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. So real quick, here's some truths about the Holy Spirit. Number one is this, is the Spirit... Is always leading. The Spirit is always leading. We can never use the excuse, well, the Spirit just wasn't leading me. Why'd you make that decision? Why'd you give in to that temptation? Why'd you give in to that appetite? Well, the Spirit really wasn't leading me. No, we can never use that. This, the Holy Spirit is always leading us. You know why? Because I know this, because just because I'm not tuned into a certain radio station right now, doesn't mean that radio station is not broadcasting. It means I'm not tuned in. Just because 89.3 right now, because I'm not listening to them, because we're not hearing the music that they're playing, does not mean that it's not on playing Christian music right now. It is broadcasting. Just because I'm not listening to it does not mean that it's not working. The Holy Spirit is always leading, and the Holy Spirit is always at work, and He is always broadcasting. You have the responsibility to tune in to His station. To be obedient to his voice. To be obedient to the God. But you know what? It, it, it's hard sometimes. You know why it's hard? Because we feel like what we, what we know is best for us. And that's, that's hilarious. That the will of God is a mystery, but yet we know what's best for us. And the Holy Spirit's job and his position in our life is to, is to guide us through this journey into the will of God for our life. And to, and, and to guide us into the specific will of God for our life. Because we think as Christians, as leaders, that we gain a little bit of wisdom. We think, you know, the Holy Spirit's telling me to do that. And they're t- he's telling me to do what's right. But man, I, don't, I just don't know. I, that doesn't seem like God to me. This seems more like God to me. I'll do this instead. And we end up in a disastrous place. Why? Because a lot of times with Christians... And with leaders, we always think we could do a better job of leading. And it becomes incredibly hard for us to follow because we think, I don't know if the Holy Spirit's got it right this time. Go talk to those people. Oh, no, that's just, that's just weird. That can't be God. S- sell my car and give it to somebody else who doesn't, oh, no, that, 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 that can't be God. Give, give 10% of my income away? But, but I'm stressing over what I got right now. That, I, I, I got I to I manage this. I got to manage my life. I know what's best for me. And the Holy Spirit takes a back seat. He says, okay. Grieve me. Agitate, irritate me. Create tension in that relationship. Understand the Holy Spirit is always 
leading. Imagine your life. Imagine your life with every decision that you make. If you paused and you said this, Holy Spirit, what are you leading me to do? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? I'm tuning into your station. I know you're broadcasting and I know you're speaking. What are you speaking to me right now? The second point is this. Not only is the Holy Spirit is always leading, the Holy Spirit cannot lead those who will not follow. Cannot lead those who will not follow. The Israelites, when they were marching through the wilderness, millions of people, millions of people are marching through the wilderness, going towards the land of Canaan, the promised land. And the Bible says this, that they were guided by this. That it says that they were guided by the presence of God. And the presence of God was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So as the presence of God moved, get this, they moved. As the Spirit of God moved, they move. Okay, they're marching through the wilderness. Okay, years and years and years. And as the Spirit of the Lord would move, they would move. And I don't know what it I, I, I don't know what it was like, but I, I, I could just imagine arriving at a certain spot. You get to this certain spot, and you get planted, and you get it. You know, you get everything built, and you get whatever they had back then to live in their tents. You know, uh, all brought up and everything. And then they get their little, they get their, uh, you know, their little circle for their goats and their pen for their goats, and they get their toothbrush holder just right, just like they like it. And all of a sudden, the spirit of the Lord is moving. Move, people. And they just begin to yell, and everybody starts packing up their stuff, and they just, where's the cloud? Where's the cloud? I'm following the cloud. Got to stay in step with the cloud. And they would pack everything up. Let's roll the pen up. Let's roll the tent up. Let's grab the toothbrush, grab the goats. Let's do this. We're moving. The presence of God is moving. We're moving with it. If we want to inherit the promised land, we have to stay with the presence of God. But listen, the people who said, I'm tired. I'm tired. I just got my toothbrush holder like I like it. I just got it in the spot. Just got the, the, the pen built for the goats. The tent's up. The family's happy. Can't we just stay a little longer? And as the cloud or the pillar of fire began to leave, they stayed right there. And they never inherited the promised land for their life. Because they did not follow the Spirit of God. Listen. The Holy Spirit's not going to take you there. He'll guide you there, but He's not going to take you there. He'll lead you there. But He's not going to make you get there. It's your responsibility to stay in step, stay in sync with Him, to follow the presence of God, to follow the Spirit of God so we can arrive at the will of God, the destination of God for our life. The Spirit of God cannot lead those who are not willing to follow Time log, the next one is this. Time log is not a factor. Time log is not a factor. And what I mean by this is, you know, a lot of us have an attitude of depending on how much time we spent with the Lord and how long we've been a Christian, that we think, well, God just moves the same way. He speaks the same way. And bless God, I, I know what God's going to do. And so my time log is a factor. Listen, I say this in, in the most humble way that I can, that if you've been a Christian for 50, 60 years, that's awesome. But time logged is not a factor. The Holy Spirit speaks in new ways. He speaks in different ways. And He wants to do a new work in you. And he, need, he's, he has a new word for your life. The Holy Spirit is always changing and speaking in different ways. You know, Moses out there in the wilderness, one of the reasons why he didn't inherit the promised land is because here they are in a drought and they need water. 
And God says, hey, I want you to take your staff and I want you to hit the rock. And boom, out comes water. And they got water for all the people. But the next time they need water, God says, wait a second, I want you to speak to the rock this time. What does Moses do? Well, God said it this way before. We did it this way before. Water came out. So bless God, I'll just do it again this way. He doesn't speak to the rock. He hits the rock. Well, guess what? The water still comes out, but it cost him the promised land because he didn't obey the voice and the spirit of God. Because time logged is not a factor. Just because it happened this way doesn't mean it's going to happen this way. Some of us are still caught living in our past. Man, my job was so great back then. Man, my family was much better back then. Man, my situation was so great back then, but now it's so rough. Man, I just, I'm just going through the motions. Get a new word from the Holy Spirit. Get a new word from your life. Get a fresh revelation from your life. And continue in the plan and the journey of God for your life because he wants to speak to you in new ways, in a fresh ways. Time logged is not a factor. Can you imagine in a marriage if you said, listen, baby, because we've been married 30 years, I'm going to keep doing the same old things that I've always done. And I figured I could just keep going through the motions. I can treat you however I want to because we've been married for 30 years. Would that work? No. I can... Don't, I don't have to worry about being sensitive in our marriage because we've been married for so long. I don't have to be worried about or being concerned with being sensitive to your voice, honey. Being sensitive to the things that you desire and that you want because we've been married for so long. That wouldn't be a very healthy marriage, would it? When we consider our time logged as a factor... And we say, well, man, I've been serving God all my life and I've been doing it this way and it's okay and it's just always going to be this way and I'm just going through the motions and I'm not trying to build my relationship with the Holy Spirit and protect that. I've lost sense. Hey, it's fine. I've been a Christian for 30 years. You lose sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And just like it would be an unhealthy marriage, it's an unhealthy relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we don't speak His voice. My last point is this. Influences distract from following. It's hard to be led when you're distracted. It's hard to be led by the Holy Spirit when you're distracted. You know, we have to be careful with the movies that we watch, with the music that we listen to, even with the relationships that we have in our life. And one of the main things that we have when we continue to follow the Holy Spirit that I say is that we need to surround ourselves with spirit-led relationships. People have relationships with people that are spirit-led and obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit, to take this seriously and take this personally in their life. Because influences distract us from following the voice of the Holy Spirit, the things that we hear. Listen, the things that we listen to, the things that we hear become the things that we say. And the things that we say become the things that we do. It's a matter of time before influences begin to break down our lives and they begin to distract us from following the voice of the Holy Spirit and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And here's the great thing. Here's the amazing thing. And I'll close with this. It's almost right at 12. Is that when you begin to follow the Holy Spirit and you begin to take this personally and you begin to make this personal in your life, you know what you begin to demonstrate? The fruits of the Spirit. And when you demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit, you look like Jesus. The Pharisees exalted the list and they exalted the law, but they didn't, dis they didn't demonstrate any fruits of the Spirit.
Why? Because they weren't being led by the Spirit. Denying your flesh and making a list of do's and don'ts. And I'm not saying that that's not important. Hear me. I'm not saying that that's not important. But what I'm saying is that our focus needs to be shifted from the do's and the don'ts to being led by the Holy Spirit. Because when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit. Paul says in verse 16, he says, listen, it's not in denying your flesh that produces the fruits of the Spirit. He says being led by the Spirit, is what it is ab- that, that's what makes you able to, not, or to overcome the sinful desires of the flesh. This is what helps you not gratify the desires of your flesh, being led by the Spirit. Not denying your flesh. Not speaking back to that problem and saying, no, I won't do that. No, I'm not going to do that. I mean, we just need to get real. Oh, well, you know, I'm just going to quit doing that. No, I'm going to focus on getting in the presence of God and being led by the Holy Spirit. And then when I get led and I stay in step with the presence of God and I stay in sync with the presence of God, I'll demonstrate the nature of God. And then all of a sudden things start falling off of you and fruit starts popping out. Fruits of the Spirit start popping out. You're thinking, how is this possible? And Jesus says, hey, don't worry about it. Just keep staying in sync with the Spirit. That's how we overcome the, grat- the, the desi- gratifying the desires of the flesh. Hey, you want to stop smoking? Get in His presence. You want to stop drinking? Get in His presence. You want to break addictions? Get in His presence. Start following the Spirit of God around. Start dwelling. Start waking up early and getting in His presence. And then all of a sudden, this stuff starts falling off of you. Quit being naive and staring back at problems and say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. No, say, I'm going to shift my focus to be led by the Spirit of God. And when you do that, and when you do that, love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, all these great things, compassion start popping out of your life. And you become this amazing, different person. Because it's not something that you can do, but only the work of the Holy Spirit can do it through you. Not about the do's and the don'ts, not about the list. It's about the person. Imagine a church. Imagine a church where every single Christian, every single member in that church begin to value their relationship with the Holy Spirit more and more. And then every day we woke up, every day we woke up early and our prayer was, Holy Spirit, I want you to lead me and guide me today. Holy Spirit, I dare not grieve you today. I don't want to grieve you. I don't want to irritate I know you. I know you know what's best for me. So I pray that I would just be obedient to your voice today. I want to stay in sync with you. What would a church look like if every member committed to doing that every day? I bet we see a lot of fruit, amen? I bet we'd see fruit just popping out like crazy. Because that's the way it's supposed to be. The Holy Spirit is the only one who produces the fruits of the Spirit through us. Not us. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, Lord, we love you so much. We love you so much and we we thank you. We, 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 We just, we humbly thank you right now for the Spirit of God at work in our life. Lord, we repent of of taking the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just pray right now. we're, We're so sorry for grieving you. 
We're so sorry for agitating and irritating and frustrating you when you knew what was best for us. And Lord, I pray that we would be people and we would be Christians, Lord, that would repent of where we didn't follow you. Where you knew what was best for us, but we stiff-armed you and we pushed you to the side and we said, we know what's best for us. God, we're so sorry. Holy Spirit, we're so sorry. I pray that you would forgive us of that. And I pray that we would be Christians where they would just burn on the inside of us. That, Lord, we would take our eyes off the list. And, Lord, we would begin to put our eyes on the person, on you. The Lord, that we would be serious about building our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Father, help us in this. Lord, we thank you that you have spoken to us today. Lord, let us leave here being changed and challenged and just absolutely renewed, Lord, so that we can be more like you and produce more of your nature, so that we can, Lord, experience and, and, and the fruits of the Spirit can begin to flow through us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything you're doing, for every heart and every, and every heart and every life in this room, Lord. Lord, I pray over every person, Lord, for the people here that are not born again, that are not saved, that... that Lord, that don't even, know, don't even know how to make it personal in their life. Lord, I pray that they would make a decision today to make it personal with you. Father, we love you. Let us have a great week, Lord, in you. And let us be mindful of the Spirit of God working in our life. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.